What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC fight night going down tomorrow night, May 22nd, 2021, headlined by Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. This 13-fight car will take place in the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week, I did only predict 6 out of 12 fights correctly on the UFC 262 card, which led to a .8 unit loss on my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, but I've still won on 7 of the past 9 UFC events on Bet MMA Tips, so make sure you're following me on there, follow me on Twitter, and we are recording this podcast right after the weigh-ins. One fight was changed a little bit, Holyon Paiva fell out of his fight, and they got a replacement, so you guys are up to date, and we're going to analyze all 13 fights here coming up shortly. The first fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Demir Ismagulov as the minus 550 favorite, taking on Rafael Alves as the plus 400 underdog. So we got a big favorite to start off the card, and honestly, it's probably justified. Demir Ismagulov does seem like a very blue-chip prospect in MMA. He's on a three-fight win streak in the UFC. He's beaten better fighters than Alves already. Specifically, Thiago Moises in his last fight. We all know that Moises is a very good fighter. And Ismagulov was able to shut him out for the most part and outstruck him very soundly in that fight. Ismagulov can also hit takedowns, keep top position. I mean, he is a really skilled fighter everywhere. Now, getting over to Alves. Alves isn't terrible, but I do sense that this fight is kind of punishment for him missing weight so badly in his UFC debut. He has no business being in this matchup, and he's likely going to need a finish to beat Ismagulov. Uh, a striking knockout or something like that is probably his best path to victory, but even that seems pretty unlikely because Ismagulov is a very skilled striker, and he's likely going to try to take the fight to the floor. Alves does have some decent jujitsu skill, can pull off submissions, but he also can get controlled and lay on his back for multiple minutes, so I think that Ismagulov should be able to take him down and keep stay on top pretty easily, and if Ismagulov wants to, he should keep the fight on the feet and be able to outstrike him there too. So I do favor Ismagulov pretty heavily everywhere this fight goes. I'm not exactly saying to go out and lay the chalk, but I do cap Ismagulov in the 80 to 85% range. So I do think this line is pretty accurate and I'm going to pick him to win by decision. Alves could give up a dominant position and kind of quit in the last two rounds, but Ismagulov is not much of a finisher. He doesn't really turn up the aggression as the fight goes. So I think Ismagulov likely cruises to a decision victory here. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Demir Hodzovic as the minus 128 favorite, taking on Yancey Medeiros as the plus 108 underdog. I agree with where this line is at, but I will say that both guys have pretty clear weaknesses, and I think it is hard to be confident in either side here. Hodzovic has problems getting taken down. He's lost most of his fights due to getting taken down and stuck on bottom or submitted on bottom, something like that. And Medeiros is just very fragile, does not have the best defense. He also hasn't won a fight in about three and a half, four years, so that is a concern for Medeiros. I guess Yancey is the better overall grappler of the two. He does have some good submission skills, but he doesn't really have a reliable way to get the fight to the floor. Definitely not known for wrestling, but if he comes in with the right game plan, if he studied Hodzovic, he could attack some takedowns here and possibly look like a, a good, reliable path to victory. But I can't really rely on that because Medeiros just hasn't wrestled enough throughout his career. So I do think the fight will stay standing in the striking range, and there I do give Demir Hodzovic a slight advantage. I think he can look like a pretty functional boxer at times. He has had good performances in the striking, and he only really struggles when the fight gets down to the floor. So if the fight stays in the feet, I do see it being competitive. I think Yancey will compete, but I just can't rely on the bad defense, the chin issues of Medeiros this late into his career. I will be picking Demir Hodzovic to get the win here. I think he outstrikes Medeiros in the feet, avoids getting taken down or stuck on bottom for too long, and wins the fight in the striking range. 
I'm not confident on whether Demir will win by finish or by decision. I kind of lean decision, but the finish is very possible. Demir has finished two fights via knockout in the UFC. And as I've been mentioning, Mandera is just fragile, not good defensively, and he could get knocked out here. So I'm going to go with Demir Hadzovic by decision as my official pick, but I could see a knockout happening at some point too. So I slightly lean with Hadzovic here. I do think he is the rightful slight favorite. I would give him about 55 to 60% here. So I think he is the right side to be on. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have David Dvorak taking on Juan Camilo Ronderas. This is the fight I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. It was supposed to be Dvorak versus Paiva. Paiva was not able to make the weight, so they brought in Juan Camilo here on very short notice, about 24 hours notice. He did miss weight by a little bit, but he tried to make the weight. You know, all respect to this guy for stepping in on a short notice, but... There's also not a line out for this fight right now, so I can't talk about it too much. Maybe I'll send out a tweet in the next 24 hours when they finally release the line for this fight. But honestly, I do expect it to be Dvorak in the minus four to 600 range because he should be a pretty hefty favorite here. Juan Camillo just does not look UFC level. Ronderis is primarily a grappler, but even when he's taking opponents down, he doesn't have the best top control. He tends to dive on submissions that are kind of low percentage and lose position. And in the striking, I haven't really seen any real striking offense from him. He looks pretty choppy everywhere, offensively and defensively in the striking. And even though Dvorak has been hurt a few times in the feet throughout his career, I think it would be a crazy outlier if Honduras is able to rock him on the feet at all. And I really struggle to see any path to victory for Ronderis here. He's primarily a grappler, and Dvorak has pretty good takedown defense, good scrambling ability, and has fought better grapplers than Ronderus. So I think this fight should be all Dvorak. He should win the fight however he wants, and I am expecting a Dvorak minus 400 line here to come out uh, in the next few hours. So like, like I said, I'll send out a tweet about it when the line finally drops, but as of now, the pick for me is Dvorak decision. Dvorak could pour it on and find a finish, but actually these guys have trained together, so it's not entirely likely that Dvorak goes for the kill, and he's all overall not that aggressive in general. So the pick for me is going to be Dvorak by decision, and I uh, really wouldn't bet this fight because it was put together on such short notice. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Josh Kulabel as the minus 255 favorite, taking on Yalan Shah as the plus 215 underdog. Shah is making his UFC debut here. He's a Chinese prospect. Uh, I wouldn't even call him a prospect, honestly, because this guy kind of stinks at MMA. I have no idea where the UFC is getting these Chinese fighters. I mean, on the Zhang card, they brought in three regional Chinese fighters, and all three of them lost pretty badly. So it seems like the UFC doesn't know how to scout these Chinese fighters at all. I mean, this guy actually got knocked out by Zhu Rong, who, was in, who got dominated by Rodrigo Vargas a few weeks ago. So... I don't think Shaw is good at anything in MMA. Shaw is mostly looking to get the fight to the floor, and he does have some decent wrestling, some decent takedown ability, but his top position, his jujitsu skill on top is not very good. He tends to die for a lot of arm bars and risky submissions, lose position a lot of the time, which is a big sign of kind of an inexperienced fighter, and good grapplers are really going to dominate Shaw in the UFC. And also, I've noticed that Shaw slows down in round three pretty consistently, in round three of one of his fights, he was taken down and held on bottom for the whole round and then kind of tried to get up in the last 30 seconds and ended up getting choked out. In his other fight, his decision fight that he won, he looked really tired in round three. Really nothing good to say about Shaw. No disrespect to the guy, but he is fighting Cooley Bao, who is not some generational talent. Not exactly a guy you want to trust at minus 255, but I really do think there's no value on Shaw, even at plus 215. Cooley Bao should be the better striker. 
He's got some developing boxing. We saw him drop Jordan in his last fight. Had some very competitive striking exchanges in the first two rounds of that fight. Koulibaly did slow down a little bit in round three and lose that round pretty clearly, but he still did uh, find his way to a draw there. He dropped Jordan really badly in round one and was able to get a 10-8. So it was a good performance from Koulibaly overall. And Koulibaly should have the grappling advantage here as well especially later in the fight when Shaw starts to slow down. So if Koulibaly wants to take this fight to the floor, he should be able to hit takedowns and keep top position on Shaw, maybe even find a submission somewhere along the line. So Koulibaly's submission at plus seven, 800, I think that line is available. I think that could be worth a stab. But besides that, there's nothing that really interests me too much about this fight. I think it is a favorite or pass even at this price. Don't lay any of your money on this bum Shaw and uh, just move on to the next fight. The pick in this one, let's go with Koulibaly decision. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Bruno Silva as the minus 380 favorite taking on Victor Rodriguez as the plus 315 underdog. I do think this line is pretty justified. I'd give Silva pretty big advantages everywhere here. I don't think that Rodriguez is UFC level. He can be taken down and controlled by good grapplers. He's pretty reckless on the feet with his defense. Doesn't have the best chin. Has been knocked out a few times in the past. So again, nothing really good to say about Rodriguez. I think that Silva should beat him everywhere here. I actually think there's a good chance that we see Bruno Silva pour it on and find a finish at some point in this fight. I think he should have big advantages in striking. We saw him land some hard right hands on JP Byes and knock him out in his last fight. And we know that Bruno Silva is also a good grappler. He's got takedown abilities, submission abilities, and I've seen some really bad tendencies on the ground from Rodriguez. So I could see him getting finished on the feet or on the mat. And that's what I want to see from a fighter when I'm betting them inside the distance. Silva also has got good cardio in those later rounds as well. So I think that this should be a pretty easy fight for Silva. Even at minus 380, I think there could be some value. I think he is around 80, 85% here. And I'm betting Silva to win by finish in rounds two and three. I have a bet on Silva inside the distance. So I'd recommend you get in on something as well. Similar to that, Silva minus 3.5. Silva inside the distance. I think he's going to win this fight pretty handily. So the pick is going to be, let's go with Silva submission round two. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Court McGee as the minus 120 favorite, taking on Claudio Silva as the plus 100 underdog. I do agree with Court being the slight favorite here. I think he has more ways to win, and I think Silva is going to need takedowns to win. He's a pretty dire striker, very slow and sloppy on the feet, very hittable. We saw that in his last fight against James Krause. And if Silva cannot get the fight to the floor, he should get soundly outstruck by Court McGee, who is the better striker of the two. I will say that both these guys are so old and slow that I think it's impossible to be confident in either side here. And if you have more than one or two units on either side here, I think that you should really reconsider it because neither guy is worth a hefty bet. I think trusting either guy is a dangerous proposition. I'm willing to trust the takedown defense of Court McGee a little bit more because Silva's wrestling is just so telegraphed and desperate. And even if he gets the fight to the floor, it's not like Court McGee is some terrible defensive grappler. I think that he should be able to defend any uh, submission attempts or back take attempts. And Court should be able to get the fight back to the feet where he should have a striking advantage. So I'm going to be picking Court McGee to stuff shots and to outstrike Silva here. But it's really hard to be confident in these guys, as I mentioned. I mean, Silva hasn't looked impressive since the Nordine Taleb fight like three years ago. Court McGee is like two and six in his past eight fights, even though he's facing good competition. So it's hard to be confident, but I am leaning Court McGee decision here, and he's going to be my pick. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Ben Rothwell as the minus 330 favorite, taking on Chris Barnett as the plus 270 underdog. 
Barnett is coming in here on short notice to replace Felipe Linz. About a week's notice for Barnett, but I don't think that's going to change anything. Barnett looks like a pretty terrible fighter. Fat, sloppy, slow boxer. No real ground game. Hasn't fought anybody good. Has no business being in the UFC. And even though Rothwell has kind of passed his prime, he tends to slow down in the second half of the fight. He should still be way better than Barnett. Should be able to outbox him. Probably hurt him with punches. And he also has some good submission games as well. Those guillotines, those front chokes. We could see Barnett finish the fight on the feet or on the floor. So I do have one unit on Ben Rothwell inside the distance here at plus 100 odds. I think Rothwell could find a finish if he really turns it on here. So let's hope Rothwell takes this fight seriously, shows some aggression. And if he does, I think he should find a finish. So the pick for me is going to be Ben Rothwell inside the distance. I'm going to go with a knockout round one or two pick. The next fight is the first fight on the main card and it takes place in the middleweight division. We have Jack Hermanson as the minus 150 favorite taking on Edmund Shabazian as the plus 130 underdog. I do slightly favor Hermanson in this fight, but where this current betting line is at, I do think that Edmund is the pre-fight betting side, mostly because he comes out aggressive in round one. Round one is definitely his best round. He has most of his finishes in round one. And when the fight gets outside of round one, goes into second and third round, that's when we start to see Edmund slow down. It happened in round three versus Darren Stewart. It happened in round two versus Derek Brunson. I think that Edmund's best chance to win this fight is to come out aggressive, to pressure Hermanson, and to try to land some strikes and touch the chin of Hermanson because we have seen Hermanson show some poor defense. He has been dropped in the past. So if Edmund wants to win this fight, I think that's his best path. I noticed in the Brunson fight that Shabazian, when he tries to fight technical, when he tries to fight on the outside, he is not very good. He doesn't really have many tools, but when he's aggressive, when he's pressuring, when he's putting up volume, he can be effective in land strikes. So it really depends on the approach from Edmund here. Is he going to sit back at range and kind of let Jack Hermanson dictate the pace and probably pick him apart with his jab on the feet? Or is Edmund going to get aggressive, throw volume, and look to pressure and to knock out Hermanson? I do think there is a good chance that Hermanson gets clipped early, possibly gets finished in round one, but if he's able to survive that early storm and get it into the second and third round, I do think that Hermanson should have a cardio advantage and have a grappling advantage as the fight goes. Now, it's not like Hermanson has the most reliable takedowns. He is really good on top position. He has great submissions, great ground and pound, but he doesn't have super reliable wrestling. So that could be an issue in this fight. It is hard to imagine how Hermanson is going to get the fight to the floor because he doesn't have that consistent takedown he can go to. So the way to bet this fight, in my opinion, is if you're betting pre-fight money line, I would take Edmund, maybe look to trade out in the live line, see how Hermanson does after round one, and then look to live bet Hermanson after round one. You also can stab on some Edmund round one props. He might get the finish early. You can also stab on some Hermanson round two, round three props. He could have that cardio and grappling advantage and find a finish on the mat in the later rounds. And that's actually going to be my official pick for this fight is to Hermanson to find a ground and pound finish in round three of this fight. I think there's going to be some sketchy moments early. I don't fully trust Hermanson at the minus 150 price tag pre-fight, but I would look to live bet Hermanson here and maybe stab on some late props for Hermanson as well. Uh, but Make no mistake, Edmund will be dangerous in round one, has a pretty big window to win in round one with how bad Hermanson's defense is, and it's possible that Edmund knocks him out. I'll be cheering for Hermanson here. I'll be looking to live at Hermanson, but pre-fight, I do think that Edmund is the side, so respect the power uh, and the threat of Edmund early, but let's hope Hermanson survives and makes it to the later rounds. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Bill Algio as the minus 131 favorite, taking on Ricardo Hamos as the plus 111 underdog. 
This fight has a similar feel to the last one where I do slightly favor Bill Algio here, but I do think that round one is going to be a bit dangerous for him, and he's probably a better live bet than he is a pre-fight bet. I'd like to see how Algio does with the takedowns, with the back take attempts of Ricardo Hamos before I put my money on him. I will say it is a bit concerning how Spike Carlisle was able to get some early takedowns on Algio, and Algio did give up his back a few times in that fight, but he was able to defend, he was able to escape all those positions, but Ramos is a better grappler than Spike Carlisle, so I think that it is a real possibility that Ramos gets a takedown in round one here and has a back take. Now, Bill Algio is a good defensive grappler. He's had his back taken before against good grapplers, and he defended it. So I don't think that Algio is going to get submitted right away, but I do think it is a bit of a concern considering he is the favorite here, and that's why I recommend betting him after round one instead of betting him pre-fight. The striking in this matchup does favor Bill Algio in my opinion. He is more aggressive on the feet, he throws more strikes, he shows more aggression. In Ricardo Hamos' decision wins, he actually has landed pretty few strikes. He landed 45, 54, and 40 strikes over the 15 minutes. So Ramos is pretty low volume, and on the feet, he just didn't look very comfortable. This is only his second fight at 145 pounds, and his first fight versus Leron Murphy, he just looked very uncomfortable on the feet. He was throwing those behind-the-back leg kick strikes. He wasn't really taking the fight seriously, and then he got hurt with some strikes, and he got knocked out pretty quickly so that fight was a bit of a head scratcher i guess ramos should be a little more adjusted to the 145 pound weight class now that he's had some time for his body to adjust but that was still a really bad sign from ramos and i do, do think that when the fight is on the feet we're going to see algio throwing more strikes landing more strikes and winning the striking exchange between these two so in my opinion ramos is going to need takedowns and back takes to win this fight and i think he will get a takedown and maybe a brief back take in round one but I think Algeo is going to defend. He's going to get back up to the feet. And he's going to get back to outstriking Ricardo Ramos. And Algeo's cardio has looked good in the later rounds. He should have good volume and output in rounds two and three. And I think he's going to win those rounds pretty clearly with his striking. And I'm going to be picking Bill Algeo to win this fight via 29-28 decision. As I mentioned, pre-fight, be a little bit careful betting Algeo. I think after three to five minutes, look to live bet Algeo. That's going to be the best time to get in on him. And uh, you got to respect the, the grappling of Ramos, though. He could have some early success here. He possibly could submit Algio in the early rounds here, but I do think it is unlikely. I think Algio survives and outstrikes him. So the pick, once again, is Algio via 29-28 decision. The next fight takes place in the women's featherweight division. We have Felicia Spencer as the minus 185 favorite, taking on Norma Dumont as the plus 160 underdog. I do agree with where this line is at, and Dumont is moving back up to 145 pounds here. Dumont looked really good in her last fight against Smith at 135 pounds. She showed good striking. She had takedown ability. Her striking looked really sharp, honestly. But at 145 pounds in her one fight in the UFC against Megan Anderson, she just didn't look comfortable for the weight class. She looked a little chubby, didn't look physically strong. I think that skill for skill, she's probably the better fighter than Megan Anderson, but the size difference was just too big in that fight, and Dumont ended up getting knocked out in round one. And I think a similar thing could happen here. Overall, skill-wise, I think Dumont probably does have more skill than Spencer, but is Dumont going to be able to avoid the takedowns and the grappling of Felicia Spencer? I don't think so, because Spencer is very physical. She's a strong woman. She's definitely the much more natural 145-pounder, and I just cannot see Dumont stuffing the takedowns of Spencer here. When the fight in the striking range, I think Dumont should be outstriking her clearly, 
Spencer really doesn't have any striking and, and is just really hittable, but she's extremely durable. She survived beatings from Amanda Nunes, from Chris Cyborg. So the chances that Dumont is able to finish her here are very small. So if Dumont wants to win, she's going to have to outstrike her for two out of three rounds. And I just do not trust Dumont to do so. Her takedown defense is pretty unknown. She looked pretty bad defensively grappling versus Marais in her regional fights. So I do think that Spencer is going to get a takedown here, going to get some top position time, might even find a submission. But I do think that Spencer is going to win the fight with her grappling, and she is likely the betting side, even at minus 185 here. So the pick is going to be Felicia Spencer. I guess Spencer could get it done in all three ways, a positional TKO on the mat, a submission on the mat, or a decision win. But looking at the prop odds for this one, Spencer by submission at plus 340, I think that has some value. I think she's going to be grappling, she's going to be winning, so the submission should look live. And I guess I'll go with that as my official prediction. Let's go with Spencer submission round one. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Justin Taffa as the minus 175 favorite, taking on Jared Vandera as the plus 150 underdog. I do favor Justin Taffa in this fight, but I wouldn't recommend betting him at minus 175, mostly because there is a very real way he could lose this fight, and that is getting taken down. Taffa has looked really bad regionally grappling. When he's been taken down and put on his back, he looks like a legitimate white belt in jiu-jitsu. So maybe he's improved over the past few years, but it is a very real concern that Vandera could take him down and finish him on the mat. But I have to say that Vandera is an absolutely awful MMA fighter. He has no real striking. He's super hittable on the feet. He just plots forward looking to grab a takedown. And he doesn't really have good wrestling. He doesn't have good top game. He just kind of goes for desperate takedowns, unleashes some ground and pound strikes, and maybe he finds a finish, maybe he doesn't. But I really do think that Vandera is terrible. And as long as the fight is in the feet, Justin Taffa is going to be easily outboxing Vandera. There's a good chance that Taffa is able to connect on the chin and to just knock out Vandera early. But you do have to be concerned about that takedown threat. It could come at any time in the fight. And with how bad Taffa is off his back, he could get finished at any moment. So... I will be picking Justin Taffa to win the fight via first round knockout, but at minus 175, I think he's too risky to lay chalk at that price. And Vandera does have a very real path to victory here with the grappling. Uh, so both these guys are really low level, fat, sloppy heavyweights. So I wouldn't recommend betting heavy on either side here. Uh, but once again, the pick is Taffa round one knockout. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Yan Shannon as the minus 125 favorite, taking on Carla Esparza as the plus 105 underdog. I actually do have a bet tracked in this fight already, and that is a 1.25 unit money line bet on Carla Esparza at plus 132 odds. I got in at plus 132. It's plus 105 now, so make sure you're following me on Bet MMA Tips. You can get some email notifications when I post a bet, and you can get in on these early lines before the line moves. This fight is pretty easy to break down in my opinion. Yan is the better striker of the two, no question. And if the fight is on the feet, Yan should be winning the striking pretty emphatically. She might even be rocking Carla Esparza with some punches at some point because Carla has looked a little more hittable and fragile in her recent fights, uh, like against Marina Rodriguez, for example. But Carla Esparza's game plan is the same in every single fight, and she's great at executing that. That is wrestling and keeping top position. She's not the most active from top position. She doesn't pass guard a lot, go for a ton of ground and pound, or go for submissions, but she knows how to hit takedowns, she knows how to stay on top, she has a good gas tank, she's very durable, even if she's getting out struck on the feet, she's going to keep shooting takedowns, and once she gets you on the floor, it's very difficult to get up, and that's another thing about this fight is that when Yan Shannon has been taken down, she does not look good off of her back, she goes full guard, she tends to spend a few minutes on her back, we saw that in the Kaylin Curran fight, we saw that in the Claudia Gadelia fight, 
both Gedalia and Curran were able to push Yan against the fence, were able to take her down, and were able to stay in top position for a few minutes. But unlike Claudia Gedalia, who only has 5 minutes worth of cardio, Carla Esparza has a full 15 minutes with her cardio. She can shoot 3 or 4 takedowns around. She's known for hitting 4, 5, 6 takedowns a fight. And that is the perfect game plan to beat Yan Shannon. Esparza is not going to fool around on the feet because she knows that Yan has the advantage there. And Esparza is going to be looking to hit takedowns. I think she does hit takedowns. I think Yan is going to go full guard, spend multiple minutes on her back. And she's going to lose these rounds getting taken down. You do have to be a little bit concerned that Esparza maybe gets 7 or 8 minutes worth of top control, but when the fight gets back up to the feet, she's going to be getting outstruck badly. It could look bad in the eyes of the judges. It could look similar to the Alexa Grasso fight where Esparza takes her down for 3 minutes of a round but spends the last 2 minutes getting outstruck and makes the rounds close. But I think that I've seen bad enough takedown defense, bad enough get-ups from Yan Shanann that I think that Esparza is going to take her down and keep her down for the majority of the fight. And as an underdog, I'm willing to bet her all day. So I have 1.25 units on Carla Esparza at plus 132. Even at plus 105, I think there is some value on her because I do think that Carla Esparza is going to be landing takedowns in round one. She's going to be the favorite after round one. And I think there's a great chance that Carla Esparza looks like a hindsight minus three or 400 favorite here. So I'm picking her to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division, and it is the main event of the card. We have Rob Font as the minus 113 favorite, taking on Cody Garbrandt as the minus 107 underdog. There has been a lot of two-way action on this fight. The line opened up with Font as the underdog, and then Font moved to the minus 125 favorite, and now you're seeing a little bit more action come back in on Cody Garbrandt, which is expected. Garbrandt's the former champion. He's probably the more well-known fighter amongst casual fans, so that's why you're seeing a little bit more money come in on Cody Garbrandt. But if you follow me on Twitter, if you follow me on Bet MMA Tips, you know that I already have a bet tracked in this fight, and that is a two-unit money line bet on Rob Font at plus 125 odds. I bet him plus 125, and he went down to as low as minus 125 at points. So it looks like I got in at the right time, and I hope everybody who follows me did as well. So as you can tell, I am favoring Rob Font in this fight. I've just been a lot more impressed with the skills that Rob Font has shown lately. I think he's improving at a steady rate, and I think he's really developed into one of the best boxers in the UFC. He's got an incredible jab. He's got good combination punches. He's got a hard right hand that he follows his jab with, and he's also a sneaky good kicker as well. His takedown defense is constantly improving. The Ricky Simone fight was a great testament to his takedown defense. He got up off the bottom there. He escaped bottom. Now, it's not like Rob Font has some elite takedown defense where he can never be taken down because we have seen him taken down by Simone, by Marlon Marais in his last fight, but he's really good at staying safe defensively, good at getting back up to his feet, and good at winning rounds once he gets back up to the feet. He knows that he lost the first few minutes of that round getting taken down, so he's going to come at you aggressive. He's going to throw strikes, and that's exactly what happened in the Marlon Marais fight. He got taken down and controlled for the first two or three minutes of that round. But once he got back up to the feet, he started immediately rocking Marais with punches, never let him off the hook, and just swarmed him with nonstop offense to find the finish there. Nasty finish. And look at Font's past two fights before that. He had a competitive yet clear decision victory over Ricky Simone, who I consider to be a good fighter. He had a shutout victory over Sergio Pettis. It was Pettis' first fight at 135, but look at what Pettis is doing now. He's over in Bellator. He's the champion there. He's been racking up good victories. And Font was the last guy to defeat him. So I think that Font has done much more impressive things recently. Now let's get over to talking about Cody Garbrandt, what he has done recently. 
Of course, he had that three-fight losing streak where he got knocked out three times in a row, twice to Dillashaw, once to Munoz. He looked really reckless in the pocket there, was making really bad in-fight decisions, just fighting way too emotional. And he did pick up a win in his last fight against Rafael Suntown, but I don't think that was an incredibly impressive performance. Sure, the fight ended via a spectacular knockout, but up until that point, Garbrandt wasn't very aggressive. He wasn't throwing a tremendous amount of strikes. And I don't think he really solved any of the issues that we had before that. It's mainly stemming from his pocket defense, his boxing defense while he's in the pocket exchanging strikes. And that wasn't really shown in the Rafael Suntau fight. Suntau was very low volume, wasn't engaging in the pocket. So we really don't know if Cody Garbrandt's pocket issues, his defense issues are fixed at all. And I think they're definitely going to be tested early on here versus Rob Font. There is a big question in this fight around the pace of which it's going to take place. I could see these guys coming out aggressive in round one, trading shots and getting an early knockout on either side. I could see the fight being slower, more measured and ended up going to the distance or going into the championship rounds. But I think the later fight favors Rob Font. I think he's the better driver of the two. That's going to pay dividends over the course of the fight. And in terms of the recent output in cardio activity, we have seen Rob Font have good output over the course of 15 minutes. He won round three versus Sergio Pettis and versus Ricky Simone. So I think that Rob Font's a little bit more proven in terms of his recent cardio, his recent output, his recent wins as well. I really give Rob Font a lot of advantages here. I think he's more durable. And I honestly think he's just on another level right now in terms of striking and boxing. And I think he's going to outbox Cody Garbrandt. And I think there's a great chance that he finds a knockout in the early rounds here. So my pick is going to be Rob Font to get a knockout in round two here. And I do have a bet tracked on Rob Font, two units at plus 125. I got in when he was still plus money. So I beat the line movement by about 38 cents as of right now. If you want to get in on Font now at around a pick and price, it's not necessarily a bad bet, but the best price is long gone. Don't just chase steam at this point. If you're confident in Rob Font, if you're confident in your read and you're comfortable with minus 13 or minus 113, then take him at that price. But if you're just chasing steam, if you missed out on that plus money and you're trying to get in late, then maybe just sit out and try to find a better bet that you like more and you have more confidence in instead of just chasing the steam on this one. But once again, the pick is going to be Rob Font via knockout in round two, and I have a two-unit bet on him at plus 125. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Martian MMA podcast. Thank you all for listening. We have a decent card going down tomorrow night. A few good fights, a few not so good ones, but we do have four bets tracked on this card. Silva inside the distance, Rothwell inside the distance, Esparza money line, and Rob Font money line. Make sure you're checking my bet MMA tips before the event starts. Make sure you subscribe to my bet MMA tips and follow me on Twitter. Thank you all for listening once again. Hope you all win some bets this week. There's no UFC next week, but I'll see you two weeks from now during the next UFC card. Peace.